Welcome to We Only Talk Hockey. I'm Mike. Joining me as always, my friend Shane. And let's start by diving into uh, congratulations to Keithy Andel, who's the new NHL Ironman. Most games played in a row. And at first, I was, wasn't thinking this is such a big accompl- accomplishment, but considering like the past few years, particularly with the the um the 2020 season being can't being postponed slash canceled and the shortened season the condensed season last year and then this year where the NHL was put on hold and a lot a lot of players were put on the COVID list for Keith Yandel to kind of pull through with this it makes it more impressive it's kind of like congrats to Keith Yandel for just kind of uh for for breaking this record uh that was yeah that was I. I, I, I agree, but I also I think it's a big deal regardless of the COVID thing. Um, I think he definitely impressive just the fact that he's made it through. But to me, that doesn't show he's, you know, the Iron Man and the way we talk about it. That just shows he's been very careful with COVID and stuff. The non-injury thing, not missing a game from injury, not missing a game from suspension, not missing a game uh being out or whatever it's that's where to me he's the iron man he hasn't been injured he's never been suspended in this span so all all of that to me i think the second part which the the COVID part is more like entirely got infected he kind of got a little you could say a little bit of luck that he never got on the list there uh that he was able to dodge up but the fact is that like uh, in the past few years, the condensed season, what I'm thinking about, where yeah, like, that's it was true. grueling. And for him to just kind of be there every game uh, in that. And I think also the compare to other sports, a lot of people think of the Ironman and baseball, but like hockey, well, it's just. Completely yeah, different. but yeah, it still is in baseball. What was Cal Ripken Jr. Who? Yeah. Like, or was it Cal Ripken Jr. or Ken Griffith Jr. Who like never Cal Ripken Jr. Who went yeah. like, like like 1300 games or some ridiculous well, no, it's more like 2000 isn't the 2000s but like yeah uh, there's some ridiculous number yeah it was basically from it was from year from from a year perspective was from like 1983 until 1995 was when he broke the record which is 12 conse- 12 straight seasons where he just played every every game that was so now let's dive into some of the uh on the ice stuff uh let's start i guess in the east in the metropolitan where there are some teams, good teams on the top that are continuing to win. And some teams that in the top, they're kind of struggling, but let's, let's kind of dive into the first team that's doing really well recently. And that's the Rangers who over the weekend are really including Monday. They beat the Kings. They beat the golden Knights. They beat the golden Knights first and they beat the Kings back to back nights. And they're, they're continuing to, to, cl- to climb that, that division. Chris Kreider scored his scored surpassed his thirtieth goal, um, which thirtieth goal might mark. I add is his first thirty goal season in his career, and he has done that uh, in essentially just over halfway through the year. Yeah, yeah, it's, we still have we still have like forty two or the Rangers probably still have forty one games at least, and uh, yeah, forty one games. Yeah, he's already passed the 30 goal mark. And this, yeah, it's hard to deny it's a career year for Kreider. And <laughs> he's part of he's part of the reason and on an offense that it, it that has recently picked up the picked up things, but they're carried really by their defense. But they're but the few players in their offense that have stepped up really have helped them have this great season. 
So I guess so, where, so where, I guess where do you stand on the Rangers? Really, let's start with that. I okay. Guess. So I, 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 I know they have the top points, but okay. Here, here's some things. First of all, yep, they beat Arizona. Uh, they beat. They played Carolina and Arizona on back-to-back nights. They lost to Carolina, then they beat Arizona. Yeah, I, and Arizona then they beat kinda... the Kings. They didn't beat Vegas. Um, yeah, they haven't played. They played Vegas on the fourth of January it. and lost to them five to one. They played Toronto. I thinking that they, they played, played Toronto. They played Toronto, beat Toronto, lost to Carolina, and then beat Arizona, and then the Kings. Okay, why was I thinking Vegas then? So well, maybe it's because Vegas in the area. I don't. So here's my thing. They have 60 points um, and Carolina has 58. Pittsburgh has 59. Pittsburgh has one game in hand. Carolina has four games still in hand back two points. So right now, honestly, in consideration, especially they just got beat by Carolina. You know, they didn't. It's not like they beat Carolina and it's, oh, it's just a matter of games kind of thing. Carolina beat them kind of soundly too. It was six, three, I think. Right. Yeah. Six, uh, three. Yeah. So that was, that was like, that was their one, like that was their bad hiccup in the, in yeah. the week really. So, but here's my thing. So I would honestly right now put them at three, but I do want to say one thing of the Metro, the top of the Metro as a whole, if you look at their record recently, against not the Rangers, like all four teams that are right now, the top of the Metro against the um, not the central division. I apologize. I always forget the, at the Atlantic. Atlantic against the Atlantic. The record is actually very well. Like the Rangers this month have beat Tampa. I think it was four, nothing. They beat Tampa oh, you're, you're, at the beginning about, of like, the their, month. Their splits, the splits versus the Metro versus the splits versus the For, Atlantic, basically. Yeah, the yeah the the okay games between the Metro and the games between the Atlantic. Um, yeah. The Metro has been by far and away winning those games. Uh, like just the Rangers, just because we were talking about the Rangers, the Rangers uh, beat Toronto handily last week. They beat. Uh, Tampa Bay early in the in the it, early in January on January second they beat them handily. Um, so I just I think that 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 might be something telling when we get to the playoffs when we get to the the matchups between the yeah. Atlantic teams and the Metro teams. Uh, how does that look? Because yes, we have Tampa Bay and Florida in the Atlantic with a crap ton of points. But the thing is when they play head to head, a lot of those games are actually shifting the Metro's way. So I I wanted to point that out while we were talking about them, because I know I was just detracting from the Rangers, but I actually think they're very good. Uh, They're far exceeding. They're far exceeding my expectations of them this year, but I do put them at right now around three or close to Washington. I would say, I think they're close to Washington. Washington has not been, very good of late and this kind yeah. of leads us into our next thing um, well i mean i mean it it does in a way what i kind of look for with these teams i guess we'll dive into washington in a second but uh and and a few other teams but basically one of the things that i always it's not necessarily it is who you beat of course it's really like what you're looking at the with some of these teams is how they're playing how what they're what they look like on the ice how they're winning and stuff and 
that's kind of it's kind of what's interesting with the Rangers is that they're winning with their defense, they're winning with goaltending as they were last year. And then I guess really it's how is their offense going to stack up and how is it going to stack up against some of these top teams and how like Chris Kreider is, is a big part of that. But after that, where do you see their offense? Where do you see like where do you see it stacking up compared to the rest of the Metro, I guess, or rest see, of their th- that's, conference? That's why I have them three. And honestly, I honestly would have them at fourth if Washington wasn't going through their current struggles and we'll get to that in a minute. And I do think that a rebound. And I think it's very possible that the Rangers do end up fourth in the division. But as I mentioned, I think it is a very strong four uh, comparatively in the playoffs. um, If that is where they end up. Uh, But, so their offense obviously is Kreider, who's having literally a career. He has already surpassed his career total high of 28 goals. Um, as long as he doesn't get hurt. And even if he does, it's a career year. Now you have Panarin, who I think is actually, I wouldn't say struggling. He's just not playing to the way he has been over the last couple of years. Over the last couple think- of years, he's been their only real offensive firepower. I mean, last year he kind of he was there. He was he was that he was what Kreider is now. Except for it was also Zabanajed kind of turned the corner late in the season. So I think I think that's also part of it is that it is those three, and it still is those three. Yeah, they're kind of like leading the way. So Zabanajed is still having a pretty good year. He's already at fifteen goals, and I think this is something that because we talk about the top of the goal scoring, um, Mm -hmm. that is neglected. Fifteen goals is not a bad year. For a whole year, yeah. like when a when a player hits 20 goals, that is like considered a good benchmark. You know, you're a 20 goal player. You're a middle six forward generally kind of thing. Right. So Zibanejad quite possibly could hit 30 on the year. Uh, Panarin, I think, will pick up a little bit and probably get to that close to that 30 goal mark. Um, so I actually I think th- their <laughs> offense is pretty good. I don't and know then, if Kreider is hitting 60. I don't I think mean, he is. He'll <laughs> I think they're I think they're most definitely will be a regression. I don't think it'll be a huge regression, but the way and this is the same thing I've said about Dry at times, right? Yeah. Um the way they are scoring doesn't necessarily match up. Like he he's scoring a crazy amount of his goals on the power play. Um 15. He leads the league right now. He has surged past Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl had a stranglehold on the power play goals. He surged past Dreisaitl with 15 goals, and a lot of his goals come off weird bounces, and a power play isn't going to stay that hot over the course of a year. Power plays have ups and downs. Kreider is a a center if I'm I have to double check, but I think he's a center. I think like a lot of centers, he kind of like with the power play, you mentioned that he knows where his bread is buttered, just kind of a term that gets overused. But like a lot of these centers, they know you get you crowd the net, you wait for the puck to get to the net. You eventually eventually the defense is going to give you that little space and you just finish off those scoring opportunities. I think that I think that is what he does. That is what he does. But he is a um, he's actually a left wing. But on the power play, he does play that bumper position. Yeah. On on the power play, he does play the bumper position, but he is a left winger. Um, But he does. He plays in front of the net. He gets the he knows where his bread is buttered on the power play, basically. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. One thing he's been doing this year that's been great is he's been great at executing. Um, Like 
for example, though, the team, their team has played phenomenally on the power play. I couldn't tell you their exact actual power play numbers, but watching the games, their power play has been very strong, which I think was one of the bigger issues that they had last year. They didn't have great, uh, they didn't have great, a great power play, but like, so we mentioned, we mentioned Panarin's drop off and goals, but his assists are still crazy. He's got 34 assists only uh, second to Fox at 39. So he's that's the thing. Kreider hasn't been doing much in the assists category. He's actually third in the team on points at 43 Panarin and Fox are both ahead of him in points, but I think he'll slow down a little bit in goals. Power plays have ups and downs. It, it, it just happens. Uh, you don't get those scoring. They might come from other places on the power play. Um, I think some of that will happen with Panarin because his power play numbers have actually been down. I think those will go up a little. I think he probably ends in like the 45 range, uh, which yeah, still I mean- for him is great. And also, you're going to still have Fox in the power, uh, the point from the power play. He'll get, he'll probably still just get his assists. He'll probably also add a few goals from the point. That's, that's still the thing. I mean, yeah, power play is kind of one of those wild cards where you're like, if you're getting your production from there, you don't know if it's going to really last. I guess, I, I guess this kind of leads us in, I mean, into a team that I'm kind of surprised it's been struggling on the power play this year. Uh, oh, horrendously. It's yeah. abysmal. It's not so, even like, oh, they're normally a top two and they're number six so, like they were yeah. last year. This they're is the atrocious. first thing. <laughs> this is really the first question I want to have. Why is the Capitals power play like in 30th? I don't know who are 31 and 32, but I can imagine <laughs> it's two teams. It's two teams that we shouldn't count Ma- yeah, as in like Ma- two teams that don't that are on the no. Seattle. I think like, Seattle power. is 31 and I think Montreal is the other. I, I think it's Montreal and it, Seattle. It might be. I'm I'm gonna I can actually look it up. Give me two seconds, but I yeah, think it's Montreal I was thinking and of, Seattle. I was thinking of looking this up before the pod, but basically like the two worst power play percentages. Oh, Montreal is 31. Okay. And Arizona is 32. Basically the two worst teams <laughs> in the NHL have the two worst power plays. And then the Capitals. Who actually so, are a decent who are a team. good team. They shouldn't have this bad a power play, especially when you consider historically they always have a good one. So that's the first question. Why is the power play this bad? I, okay. I it really doesn't make so, it so much sense. So so I have a couple things, but before I get into the why, I want to get into um a positive here before we get into the negative is the fact that they are not sitting at the bottom of the league with literally a sub 15 uh, power play percentage is astonishing to me. Like you generally don't see that when your power play is so bad, you don't see a team thickly in their division race, thickly in the playoff race. Like you don't see that. The fact that they are not where like the blue jackets are right now, or really a team like, like in that mid range that's yes. trying to get into the playoffs right now. Yeah. The, it, it's really also the fact that everything else, not, not necessarily everything else, but the, the team as a whole is playing well defense. The, the defense is good this year. The and gold things. Eh. Insta- insta- I'll, I'll get better than that. last year, but yeah, we'll get into that. But basically the fact so, that the power play struggled. So let's start with that. Like, okay. St- Cause usually have Obi at his office. You have, I think, Tom Wilson usually on the other side on that power play. No, so here, 
this is what their five man is supposed to mm-hmm. look like. Ovi on the left wing dot, right? Yeah, that's the spot. Oshi in the bumper position. Uh, about and honestly, yeah. he usually is a little further off the bumper than a lot of teams play it because what it does is it opens up that lateral lane to Ovechkin by him being another five feet or so back. But in that bumper position, yeah. you then have Carlson at the point, you have Backstrom at the half wall or the other dot, the opposite dot of Ovechkin, and Kuznetsov down low, which by the way. One huge positive for the Caps this year, just quickly, is Kuznetsov's production looks like he really has cotton back to his senses. But he, re- he rebounded from last year. Yes. Yeah, well, so, yeah. But we won't talk about that. Right now, Oshi is out. Mm-hmm. Oshi has been out large chunks of the season. He started the season. He was one of the few forwards to actually start the season, but then he got injured. He came back and then got injured again yeah. like two weeks ago. Carlson is out with COVID. He had been one of the only play, one of only four players to play the entire season up until like a week and a half ago. And that's just when Backstrom was coming back. Backstrom missed the first giant chunk of the thing of the power play. So what that forced to happen was Wilson take over Oshie's spot at the bumper. Kuznetsov moved to the half wall where Backstrom was. And you have, um, I actually don't know who's playing the uh, baseline. The point? Uh, no, no, the baseline. The point is Schultz, uh, generally. Um, oh, I just, don't. Justin Schultz. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who's playing the baseline, like at the goal line where Kuznetsov generally plays, where they can okay. do that tic tac toe of Backstrom to Kuzi to uh, Oshi from oh, b- by no to Oshi from Backstrom mm-hmm. down to the baseline up to Oshi because that gives them more yeah. dimensionality. And so here's the issue since uh, since Bastrom's been back and I don't know why they haven't done this, except I've seen it in two of the last three games I saw. I did not see tonight's game, um, so I can't speak on it, but uh, where they lost four to one to San Jose. Um, yeah, we're recording on Wednesday. So, yeah, they, they, they lost. We're going to get into that pretty soon. But, but yeah, they know. So here's the thing. Even since Backstrom's been back, though, they haven't had him playing the half wall. They've had Kuznetsov playing the half wall. And I, I just, as I just mentioned, Kuznetsov been playing yeah. much better. But here's the thing Backstrom is, I think everyone will agree, uh, pretty much a, he can score, but he's mainly a passer. He's a facilitator. Yeah. And one of he, the best facilitators. He's the guy that you want getting it to those guys who we mentioned, you know, where your yeah. bread is buttered, like TJ Oshino. You know, like you, you want those guys that know where they're score, where they're going to score, like Ovi from his, from his, yeah. from the faceoff circle. Well, it's you not want, even the faceoff circle. He does move down, but either way. Yeah. You want Backstrom to be the guy that kind of you get him the puck and then he'll quickly get that pass across ice or centering pass and then he nets it in. So here, yeah, I, he, I wanted to touch on more why that's such a big deal, though, is because. Kuznetsov is not nearly as good of a passer, especially with the saucer pass. So what it has done is while one big thing that added a layer of dimensionality and a layer of speed and timing to their, to their power play was the fact that you had to spread out. You had to have a guy over by Backstrom and you had to have a guy over by Ovechkin and that opened up the ice 
for certain passes. You had back because Backstrom could pass it cross ice, having able to bypass Carlson and able to go directly to Ovechkin or directly into the middle to Oshi or down low then up. And that ability is not necessarily something Kuzi has. If you've watched, Kuzi doesn't attempt those passes. I don't know if he can't, but he doesn't attempt those cross ice passes style. Yeah. So what you, those full cross ice passes. So what you end up having to have is everyone knows you have to go to Carlson first to get the puck to Ovechkin. So you have to go up top to then go to Ovechkin. And what that does is it slows down. It It makes it predictable and it allows um, when in the past, everyone talks about you have to leave a guy by Ovechkin and he'd still beat you, but you had to leave one of your four defensemen by Ovechkin because that pass is going to get there kind of thing. And you always had to cheat to Ovechkin. Now teams don't have to because they have time from when Kuznetsov passes the puck up to Carlson to then get over to Ovechkin. And so that has severely, and you haven't had the bumper position. Granted, Oshie, I think, is one of the best bumper guys in the league, but Tom Wilson's pretty good at it too. But those passes haven't been getting in the middle. That's another. You add an extra pass where you don't need an extra pass when you have Backstrom there sometimes. And so it makes them a lot more one-dimensional. But here's a positive for the power play. Not last game, not tonight and not last game. Let me pull up exactly which game it was. They actually went 0-3 on the day, but the way they looked was supremely was better. Their... Um, let me pull Who it did up. they play through? Yeah, let me. I'm just... I know I watched one of their games. I think that's why I got them confused with the Rangers. I think they played Vegas this week. They were the team. And I forgot who, who I watched them play against, but they had... There was just like one power play where it's just like all the key, all the words, like whether you want to say lost or just like there isn't the same direction. There isn't that same sort of understanding of okay, what, so, what your position is and where you can kind it, of exploit the opponent. Yeah, the, the it was either goaltender. it was either Boston or Ottawa. I can't remember looking at the stats. They actually did not score. And everyone's like, oh, you didn't score. It's whatever. That's not the issue. You need to work out the kinks first. The goals will eventually come. The thing yeah. is they they had Backstrom back in the bumper in the in the half wall and they they were moving the puck so much quicker and so much faster that um the goalie they were playing the- just played really well on the power play. Um I can't remember if it was the Boston game or if it was the, I believe it was the Boston game. But Boston they played they it was four three and that could make sense. It, yeah. I think it was Tukarask in that maybe. No, uh, for it that wasn't. One. It was what's his name? Um so, Allmark, maybe. Allmark. Allmark. It was Allmark. Yeah. And okay. he didn't have a phenomenal game, but on the on the power play, he was playing really well. Yeah. And but their power play looked so much better. So when I um so then the following game, uh you once again you had Backstrom there. And he was right. It was that Boston game because the way this works out, Ottawa, you had backs from there. They didn't look as good. They again went 0-2. They didn't look as crisp, as clean, but it looked better than it has the majority of the season. The issue is because there was no success, the Vegas game, they went back to Kuznetsov at the half wall for most of the power play. 
And I think and- that kind of that kind of wraps up their schedule basically, where it's like they played over the weekend really, and up yeah, until they went, tonight, they went zero and five. They went zero and five against Vegas. Vanacek actually had a good game. He was 33 of 34. They just I think it was a one nothing game, right? Yeah, it was. It was one nothing. Yeah. He stopped 33 of 34 shots, right? Um, the big issue there was they were 0 for 5 on the power play and it looked anemic. It looked how so that must have been the game that I was watching. The, yeah, it looked like I was watching. Yeah, it looked yeah, sorry, much more, it looked much more like it's looked all season. Um, it looked a lot more like it's looked all season versus the Ottawa game, uh, less so, but the Boston game, especially and the Ottawa game, they didn't have the results for those two games and they lost one, 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 but they didn't have the results there on the power play. They went, Oh, and they went, Oh, and five across those two games total, right? Yeah. They went, Oh, and five in the Vegas game alone. And they looked worse. Like in the, in the Boston game, they looked great. The goal didn't come, but you look at it and your power play looked good. That goal, those goals will come. They will pick up. And I think it's a matter of, I think it's a matter of something that I feel Peter Laviolette has an issue of as a whole that might be a a big issue for the Capitals long term is analysis paralysis. He's the the changer and shaker and mover of things. We talked about this last year with the line combinations because they were mostly healthy and they had the same group of guys, but it was the constant changing of lines, not allowing chemistry and um, continuity. Here you have the issue of he's they were starting to get in a groove of things and he went and screwed with it. And that's something I think is a huge issue. And I think that's also an issue with the goalies. I think both goalies have been better this year, but the issue of constantly going from one goalie to the next, you don't let them get in a group. But I'll finish off on the power play. I guess that's really backtracking on. I mean, that kind of the big picture thing, because you look at I mean, you look at this pack past weekend and then week, really, where. You lose to the Bruins. Okay, Bruins are kind of picking things up, so fine. It's like a understandable sort of... It was a close game also. Could have gone either way. Beat the Senators. Close game. Don't, close I mean, game. You had to tricky. come back. You had to come back from 2 nothing yeah. on two Ovechkin goals to get to overtime. And, and also, Senators are a team that... Horrible defense, but they're a trap game you, for a lot of teams. I think it's important to note the Senators are that type of team. Then they one nothing lost to Vegas and then tonight they lose to the Sharks and the Sharks uh were in its downward spiral kind of uh, balanced out Sharks didn't have Carlson in the game so this is one in one in three in the past four games bumping the ro- like where is this bumping the road okay territory? so is this like real concern sort of territory for yeah you? so give me one sec I'll touch on that in a in a in a moment I'll first touch on finishing off on the whole power play issue. I think, okay. I think, and I'll get into this when I go big picture, but I think if they stuck with what they were doing, you'll get Oshi back eventually. Um, Carlson will come off the COVID list. And once you have that five man squad, and if you have Backstrom back on the half wall, like, yeah, you didn't get the goals. You're missing players on the power play. It's one thing, but you looked better, and if you get the right pieces back in there, I think it'll perform much better, and I think they should stick with it, and I believe there will be an uptick. Now, big picture-wise, I think it's both, and I'll get into why in a second. Their actually situation is worse than one in, th- 
one out of four. January, New Jersey lost, St. Louis lost, Minnesota lost, Boston lost, New York uh, Islanders win. Vancouver lost, Winnipeg win, Boston lost, Ottawa win, Vegas, San Jose lost. They are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and three. Eight and three in, uh, they are, well, three and eight. They are three and eight in January. January. It's not good. There are some issues that I think could be long-term problematic and some I think they'll fix. I think health has got to rebound unless they just are playing dull season. I think Oshie will come back. Carlson definitely will come back. Um, That's some things that will definitely help. You'll be able to even out the lineup. You'll be able to get a little more solidarity there, um, even if you have Mr. Switchy McSwitcherton's. And so I think that'll pick up and I think they will stick with the power play, fix it. It'll, it will get better. I don't think it'll be phenomenal this year. Even out, even if it, they, even if they continue to yes. struggle, I think the it power can, play it will go, even out. It could go up a bit. We'll, I think we'll, we'll they'll probably, I think they'll probably be could. I think they could get to close to 20%, which yeah. isn't great. But if you look at it from the perspective of 13% in the first half, yeah. To get to close to 20, they'd have to be performing at around a 25% clip the second half, which I think they'll be able to do, hopefully. Here's where the big issue is. Um, the big issue to me is Peter Laviolette and specifically, Switching. and not just the lines, specifically what he is choosing to do with time on ice. Here's a big thing. Connor McMichael, the rookie has statistically he doesn't have many goals or many assists but if you look at his uh more uh advanced statistics right expected goals for uh per minute per ice time his expected goals for per ice time is actually in the top five in the league the issue is peter laviolette is not playing him he he did not play tonight uh mcmichael didn't play tonight uh, they, he was uh, the second time this season he's been uh, healthy scratched. He has played six minutes or less in the last eight games. And it's crucial situations in the Vegas game. If you're down one, nothing. You should be playing yeah. your most offensively talented players. And they have guys like Hathaway, who, by the way, in previous years, I've really liked him on that Dowd Hathaway Haglin line, but because of all the injuries, we haven't had that. Last year, we had all the switching, but they actually kept that fourth line steady of Dowd Hathaway and Haglin. But because of Haglin's injury and Dowd's COVID, and then since they've been back, they've been moving up and down the lineup a lot. What you've seen yeah. is Hathaway has regressed to this. What everyone else thinks Wilson is, is who Hathaway is when he do, when he isn't on that structured defensive line with ha- which has a very specific purpose. Um, he has been getting outrageous penalty minutes. Doubt has also when they're not in that structured play defense, play whatever, and they're more loosey goosey. They Hathaway has had, I think he leads the team in penalty minutes. He's not good offensively. He's just, it's not been good. Yeah. And 
players like Hathaway have been playing more ice time. And I don't mean just more ice time in general, more ice time in those crucial situations when you need to score, when you're down close, when you need to score, then players like McMichael, who, by the way, it's not like the Sprong situation where Sprong struggles defensively. But I think if you put Sprong on the right line, it can be compensated for. But like if you put him on like the second line with Backstrom and Oshie, uh, I think he'll be plenty compensated for and he should start. But McMichael, um, first of all, you have him playing left wing when you should be playing center. Um, and I think they should trade Eller at the deadline and play McMichael. But by, based on Peter Laviolette's actions, they won't do that. But McMichael, it, it, it's like love you. Let's it's, it's very similar to a lot of coaches who like with younger players. They're like, no, we just need to sit them. We need to like keep them on the bench, no. which yeah. really doesn't help their development. Yeah, McMi- McMichael has been playing phenomenally. You watch him and he he is everything that he was. He, he looked like prior to the draft. He was everything he looked like in the AHL last year. He has the offensive talent in one of the places the Capitals struggle the most on offense, which is right close in on the net. He's a great finisher. He didn't get the bounces early and that happens, but he, and his defense is not subpar. I would put, I would say his defense is about par, which is fine for a third line center. His defense is about par and he should be playing more, but his offensive output is more of uh, top two lines, his defensive output is about a line, a third line center. And I think that can improve, but only if you let him play the game and in those crucial situations, they haven't been playing him and it's not, be- and it's not even like, Oh, they haven't been playing him because it's been, you know, out of the last 10 minutes of the game when they're down one Ovechkin and his line played eight out of the 10 minutes. It's not like that's what's happening. He's playing Hathaway and, uh, and Lars Eller and yes, and those aren't players that should be getting uh, the ice time in those situations. Mm-hmm. Eller is okay at center for those times. He is kind. He does have a bit of a clutch ability at times, um, but I think Eller's old. I, I've liked Eller the last five years. I think Eller's old. I think it's time to move off Eller permanently. Keep McMichael. You can still Eller is still not bad enough that you can't get a decent reprieve for um, for Eller to a team that needs a second or third line center because he has that capability. And so there's where my issue thing, I think it could be a lo- more long-term issue, but the way that long-term issue can get solved real simply is uh, Brendan McClellan saying, I'm trading Lars Eller, play McMichael. Brian McClellan, I actually think is a very good GM and the other way it gets solved. And this is what I think is probably more likely, even though I think they should Mm -hmm. go the Brian McClellan route is I believe that when guys get healthy, we don't know what's going on with Mantha. He got hurt real early on and he busted his shoulder. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't heard his name in a while either. I'm, I'm not too broken up about that as anyone who listened last year knows I absolutely abhorred that trade. Jacob Vrana was 10 <laughs> times better. The player all, all Vrana, all Mantha had on Vrana was he's a little bit bigger, but he wasn't any better defensively. And he certainly wasn't better <laughs> offensively. Um, 
And so I, I'm not broken up about, uh, about Mantha being out, but I think when everyone else gets back, what you might see fix this situation is McMichael might be sent to the AHL if they get most of their roster back. And then I guess ultimately the continuity, when everyone yes. gets back, that's going to save them really. Yeah. At the end of the right. day, talent, the talent's yeah. going to bail them out. Like right now, they don't have many people on COVID. Who you have on COVID really right now is John Carlson. Uh, mm-hmm. Jensen got injured. Jensen was having, again, like last year, Jensen was having a phenomenal year. I would say he was probably their yeah. best defenseman. I think, and I think our- the irony is that their defensive unit is playing is playing really well. Like Dimitri Orlov, Nick Jensen, these guys are Justin playing really Schultz, well. This season. Justin Schultz has been playing well. Van Martin Farhart. Martin Farhart. Martin Farhart. I knew I was going to get that right. Jan- but yeah, he's uh, having a good year. Van Reems, like they've all been having good years. Jensen, I think most of all, two years ago, he people were talking about trading him because he had some defensive struggles. But when he once he got partnered uh, on the right side, like last year, yeah. he find they finally had the pieces where they didn't have like six left defensemen, which was an issue for the Caps for a while. They literally were like, "Yeah, but he's a good defenseman." Yeah, but he's the wrong position my guy. <laughs> so once he finally started playing the right position last year and it's, and it's just gone up this year, his defensive numbers are phenomenal. And when you watch him and Orloff play, they complement each other so well because they're both defensemen that like to get in on the rush, but they are fast enough and both skilled enough to cover for the other one when they do so. Um, and so I believe it's, their defense will come back. Carlson will be back. And you'll have that continuity when you get Oshi back, right? You'll get Oshi yeah. back. You'll have that continuity. You'll get. And then Backstrom will get into full form. Into like, full form. And and I think you might end up seeing a um, McMichael go back to the AHL, which I don't like. I think he should be playing. I think he's talented enough to yeah. be their third line center. Honestly, they needed the young. Going into the season, they were still the oldest team in the league by a, a decent margin. So I think if you had, um, if you got rid of Eller, you could maybe get a piece for Eller, a forward, or you could get draft capital, which they sorely lack, uh, sorely lack. I no longer think they should trade Kuznetsov. I did prior. And I think all of the trade talk last year, and apparently there was a conversation I had between him and LaViolette where it was, are you ready to actually work? And he's come back and he's looked really good. He's actually on yeah, one it's of been his been a very fast, good year for him. One of his fast, I think his statistically, he has the most points at this point in the year that he's had ever, which is phenomenal for the Capitals, right? It's a matter yeah. of a little bit of continuity. And if they have more continuity of their main stars, you won't see such disparity in playing time. And I think that mm-hmm. will even out. But I do think McMichael should be the full-time center. And that's the issue, though. He plays best at center because he plays very well in front of the net. But because of the fact that they've been having him play uh, left wing because you have Eller, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, and Dowd, you need to get rid of one of them. And I think the option is Eller. Uh, Dowd, if you can get that fourth line back together, that'd be great because that that's their defensive power unit. And they haven't been able to do that much this year. If they have enough pieces back to get that fourth line back together, you'll see the penalty minutes for Dowd and Hathaway drop like stones, uh, which will overall improve flow of flow of the game for the team. I think you'll have 
more spread out uh, ice time minutes because of the fact that you don't have Peter Laviolette, the old head going, ah, but he's too young. He's real young because he's younger than most people because he he's a year ahead because last year he wasn't even eligible to play in the AHL last year, but because of all the other leagues that were closed, they made an exception that you could play a year younger. So he's really young. And I don't think you should be having him sit for long periods of time is not good for him. You have to get him on the ice, do it. Now you're in a position. Now you can do it. You can take your lumps and bumps when you have these injuries out, do it. He he's played phenomenally. He'll get the point production up and his defense will steadily improve. Young players are never great on defense. You can't just say they're a horrible defensive forward because they're young. They're always generally a little smaller. Some of the defensive things they make uh, lapses in judgment. Those are all things that improve and only through experience and those mistakes. And I think they got to do it. Because if you don't do it now, you won't have time later in the season yeah. to do it. So I mean saying yeah, that now's like now's the time between like now and the all-star break, basically. Not not even I mean, just it, now in the all-star break. Now and it's also midway through the season, is really like it's I January. Would, it's like yeah, the, I would say I would want him playing 15 minutes or more mm-hmm. up until you have 25, 30 games left. And if there's still some issue that Peter Laviolette sees at 30 or 25 games, fine. You make that decision. You give yourself enough time. There's a big enough gap between them and the bottom of the division. Um, But for essentially the next 10, 11 games, 10, 11, 12 games, they should be playing McMichael 15 minutes a game and see what happens. I don't think they will. Um, I think Laviolette, I never liked the hire of Laviolette. I wanted, um, I mean, it's really, I guess, like, I guess it's like really waiting out to see kind of what happens here. I mean, it's really about, it's, it's, it's about like, I think it's a lot about about next two, three weeks. It's about the next two, three weeks. I think Laviolette, I think Laviolette is too old to be coaching this NHL with young players. I never liked the hire. I didn't. I thought they should have gone with uh, Gerard or whatever his name is. Geralt. I can't remember his name. Oh, Something right. with the Rangers. A G. We were just yes. talking about the, the Rangers, Gerard Gallant. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gerard Gallant. I mean, I wanted I kinda, him for the job. I kind of think that the Capitals are now where where the Penguins were a few weeks ago, which is kind of like le- could lead us in, into the next thing where yeah. the Penguins, the Penguins like a few weeks ago, you didn't have Crosby in lineup. You didn't have Gensel in lineup. You didn't have, I mean, Gensel, I think he wasn't, he actually was the one in the lineup. Brian Rust wasn't, uh, you had, who else? You had a lot. They were just, they just, their whole roster was out to start the season, especially. And they, they initially were the team that kind of started off the season slowly. I mean, they, they still were winning games, but not at the same pace and now you get all you have all those players that at the beginning of the season i guess this is really what a good job mike sullivan has done with the penguins it's because they're now on a six game winning streak which is kind of uh kind of like in of itself like a big thing but like the, the beginning of the season the penguins were a team that were shuffling around players kind of like mixing and matching seeing who could kind of break out they found out evan rodriguez was having a good year so they're like all right let's give him more time let's put him on in more important positions and now they have their stars back malkin is back uh, brian rust Sidney crosby 
So they're kind of like in this position now where they're the red hot team and yeah, they are everything's clicking, clicking for them. They're 10 of 12 in January. They have yeah. two losses in January. Um, and it's not even like this is their first long stretch of winning games. Pro- going back into December, they had a 10 game win streak from the 4th of December till the 6th of January. For over a month, they did not lose. They then lost to Dallas, beat Anaheim, and lost to the Kings. And then, since then, they've won six straight. So if you really look at the last two months, they are, they are, um, like... Are they like 10 and 12 or something? No, in the last two months, they have two losses, mm-hmm. right? And they had that 10-game win streak. They have two losses, so that's 10, uh, 10 and 2, 11 and 2, and then the six-game win streak. So 17 and 2 in their last like, 19 games. Yeah. In their last two months, they are 17 and 2, literally. It is it is astonishing. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it it has and that's kind of like it kind of leads into the question. You this is not this is not like uh the not sustainable. wave. No, but I'm saying my question is the 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 recent six game win streak are really the recent win uh, winning ways. It's not like oh they're just beating up on bad opponents because they've been no. doing this for a yeah. while. Like we said, 17 games, you're not just beating bad opponents, yeah. but but they're not going to keep this up. You're not going to keep this but, pace. You're not going to keep a 17 and two pace. But yeah, they will keep up. I think this good play. And so I yeah. definitely think they've got because for a while they were number five or six in the division, and then they've just skyrocketed. And right now they're number and, two. And uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, what's what's more interesting about the Penguins? Then you look at like, okay, how are they winning games? And you look at some of their stats. They're scoring, I think, three point four goals per game, which is like in the upper percentile. They're allowing around two point five goals per game goals against 2.5 which is also in the upper they're basically everything's clicking at the right time and what makes this team different is they have depth scoring they have def- they have multiple great defensive pairings and then the development and then i guess the, the thing on top is the development of tristan jari which is kind of taken off from last year where he kind of started clicking at the end can i the last ask season, who is the penguins goalies coach and why the hell uh does someone so good exist? I, I don't. I don't know who the Penguins. I got. I should. I should look that up now. But uh, because basically, him, Matt Murray, Flurry. I'm. I, I'm trying to understand here how that is possible. Because uh, when Matt Murray wasn't hurt, he was phenomenal. He won them two cups. Like so, like, it's it's Mike Bucklett. It's Mike Buckley, but uh, I don't think he's he has been around. This is because uh, it's saying when saying when he was hired. Penguins name, named him the goaltending coach. Okay, so he's been around since 2017. So he's been around he's been around for a while. Uh, Mike Buckley. Yeah, uh, since the Matt Murray. That's since Matt Murray. Basically, I, I, yeah. Who, who, who uh, is Murray the, Jari? Murray to it, Jari. 
I guess this is like a weekly tradition. We Google someone's name for like, look, yeah. <laughs> he's been great in the NHL forever. Uh, and it really speaks to the volume. I mean, it really speaks volumes, I guess, on that. Like Mike Buckley is he's one of those guys who speaks volumes to, in the NHL, these guys who've been around for a while, who just like, they know what it takes to like bring out the best in some players. And they also know what it takes to really like develop a player. And I guess for, for Buckley, like credit, like Tristan Jari in the past few years has become that has become a goaltender. Yeah. Not Vesna caliber, but he's become a very good goaltender. And I he's think still you pretty for, young. Isn't he? Jari's still pretty young. He's 26, I believe, which is actually, yeah, he's very, for you, for a goaltender. Yeah. That is, that, that's a young age. Cause usually goaltenders come onto the scene around 24, 25, and then they uh, slowly develop. And then by 26, 27, they're entering their prime, their careers. So and then I, 30s really when they start piling on the Vesna trophies. Yeah. So uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he could eventually win a Vesna the way he's playing. Like it's, it's possible. He's not having a Vesna caliber. I don't think he's a Vesna caliber. No, this year. This year. No, but I'm saying no. it future, eventually become that his leap from last year to this year, I, I think obviously there will be a capstone eventually, but I do yeah. believe he could reach. And I, I, that's phenomenal. The, the kind of development they've had um, yeah. out of him. So I mean, yeah, I, I do. And that's kind of, it's kind of like speaks to, oh yeah, the penguins have all these pieces in the right place. I guess my question is, where do you see, where, do, where are you projecting this? Because they've, because of their winning streak, I think they're now second or third in the Metro standings. Where do you, where do you see this team kind of heading based they're, on all so the things that they have? They're second. They're one point behind New York with one game in hand on New York. But once again, Carolina is only one point behind them and several mm-hmm. games in hand. I think Carolina ends up one. Pittsburgh two and either Washington or the Rangers three Um, right now it's looking like the Rangers, but who knows? Like we said, there are a couple things that could change for Washington real quick. That could lead them on maybe we also said the Rangers, but said the Rangers could balance out. We've just, we discussed plenty about those two with the the penguins in that mix. Where, where do they fall into that? I I think two, I I think two. And, and I think, and I think a decent two Um, from what I'm saying, I think there will be, obviously the penguins will even out everything in the end averages out, right? 17 and two. Yeah. I don't think they're now going to go on a two and 17 run, but they'll, they'll go more to, you know, six and four uh, kind of Do you think they're like goals per game and goals against per game evens out? Like is either one declines? I think they're goals per game going because 3.4 is going to regress to like, to like three three point two and you might have a slight uptick to like two six two seven goals against right and that will result in a couple more losses here or there um it's it's something i want to talk about when we get to vegas later on um but is the goals against average but yeah so i think there'll be a very strong two uh is the way i see that coming out also kind of talking about carolina that also goes into they could end up one Pittsburgh. As we mentioned last week, if Carolina takes a couple bumps in their god awful, uh, is it is it February or March? I, I either, think whichever one it is. 
I think we discussed it was like February. I think that's kind of like no, it's another- March. It's March. Yeah, it's their it's their March month. If they mm. if they take some lumps in their March month, Pittsburgh could be poised to win the division. Um, I think it's very I possible. Think, so I kind of this kind of interesting with the Penguins is that the way I look at them, I think they're a great regular season team right now. They're a team built to win regular season games, where. They're going to beat up on those bad teams, which they've, they've already done plenty of this season. And then they're going, they're going to, they're going to continue to pile on wins. I could see them finishing with the best record in the Metro question is how confident this is why I think the not deadline kind of matters to them not super in, in, a, in a cup run, not super confident. And, I mean, there was, this was last year, kind of like the doubt because Jari got it. Jari had, uh, got his exposed in the in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the first round. It was just a bad series overall for a young goaltender. And I think he's, he's improved. I don't think you're going to see the same mistakes. But again, good offenses are going to find the back in that. Um, and it's not even that. Them. It's it's their defense. And this is why this is why I have Carolina. Right now, Carolina is my favorite for the Cup. Right now. They have a yeah. goalie playing at Vesna level goaltending. Right? But their defense is the unsung hero. No huge names. But their defense has been supremely solid, yeah. and and Although, it's to deep be fair, I'd say the, the same about Pitts. I'd say the same about Pittsburgh, except for Crystal yeah. Tang. Can you really? I mean, I guess you could, you could, but it's hard to name any defenseman that's having a great season. Brian Dumoulin is actually low key having a very good season. Uh, he's I think second I, on the team. In- I trust. I trust Carolina's defense more yeah. than I trust Pittsburgh's defense, and I honestly trust Frederick Anderson a little more than I do Jari. So I think they're poised. I think Carolina is poised because you know how the bracket works. You play your division teams. Yeah. I think Carolina is poised to beat them. Here's the thing. If they didn't have to play Carolina till the championship round, I think they had a good, they would have a good chance. I think the buck is going to run through Carolina in the Metro, and I don't think they'll be able to top I think, Carolina. I think Pittsburgh, with Pittsburgh, I think that's kind of where I see Pittsburgh in this kind of interesting where they're a good regular season team where they stack up in the playoffs. And I think they're the team that you have to watch out for. They are the team that can potentially make a big move at the deadline. Say, yes, like, we're ready to win a cup, especially you look at big, big, you take a step back with Pittsburgh because in within the on the ice stuff, you see, yes, a great season. Uh, Gensel's having a career year. I think he's their leading goal scorer and assist, uh, not assist scorer, but like he he's leading the team in points and he has, he has the most goals with, I think 21 on the season. And uh, then you look at Evan Rodriguez having career. He's on a contract year. So he, he, so it's going to be hard to retain him, especially in, in uh, considering like, yeah, he's having he, that year. They have the depth. And then you look at the picture of, Malkin's a free agent at the end of the year. Chris Letang is a free agent at the end of the year. This is a team that those core players that have been part of like the Pittsburgh history, I guess, success. They're they're potentially this or this this is the year that they're going to break it up uh, at the end. They're the team at the deadline. You could see potentially whether they are calling Chicago for Flurry or calling someone for. Uh, I don't think an elite they, player. I, I don't think they change goaltenders, and I definitely don't think they call for flurry. No offense, I don't think that happens. Well, I mean, to, to help to split to split games with Jari, I think they would do that. I think that's a move that you could consider. They would 
keep their eye open for. I mean, definitely to add a goaltender to split uh, games with Jari is something on the radar for them. I, I don't like than- that, though. I think that w- especially with a young goaltender, I think that's bad. Splitting starts is not good for young goaltenders. Older goaltenders can handle it. Like, Flurry can handle that. Yeah. I don't know if Jari can. And so I think well, it's better to get a decent... I think it's better to get a decent backup who can take some of the load off during the regular season so that in the playoffs, he's fresh enough to play. Well, I mean, in the regular season, they have that decent backup already. It's Casey, Casey DeSmith. But what I'm thinking with, I'm thinking wars in Stanley Cup playoffs, they would split, they would split starts with someone, whether it be Fleury or not. But like, just I, a- I don't like that because you don't generally see a cup team do that. A team that wins a cup is not splitting goaltending starts. You had Montreal last year when they were in the playoffs. Yeah. You have, you've had Tampa Bay well, the last Tampa two twice. years. Yeah. You've had Tampa twice. You had uh, when the Capitals won it, that was all Holtby in the playoffs. They had a little switching in the regular season, but once guess, you hit the and playoffs, then you have Jordan Bennett, then you have Jordan Bennington, and then you go back to Pittsburgh, which was Matt Murray. Throughout the playoffs, Flurry sat pretty much the whole playoffs, even though they had Flurry. I mean, he, he didn't play a few, but yeah, he started to get a few there. So uh, I mean, may I mean, maybe I mean the other thing is like I mean last year they already made that move where they got Jeff Carter. So I mean you'd say add another scorer, but like they're going to be. I mean I, that's the big picture with the Penguins that like they're doing really well right now. Good regular season team. They're the team to keep. They're a team to keep an eye on to make that blockbuster deal potentially yeah uh, if they were if they were in the atlantic before we move on to the atlantic i think if they were in the atlantic they would win the atlantic and i think they would win the atlantic and make it to eastern conference final against carolina i just think they're gonna have to play carolina around early because they're in the same side of the bracket (laughs) as carolina and i think that's something people overlook they look at it and they look they're like ah they only got to the second round yeah, but the team they play, I think, is the team that's going to go on to win the cup. So, like in previous years, it was the opposite. I think it was it was the opposite side of the yeah. bracket that was stronger. Um, I think this year the Metro is going to be the much stronger side of the bracket. I definitely think a Metro team is going to be the team representing the East in the cup. Uh, so when I mean, you have yeah. you have those big three, you have the big three and. Well, really, it was the big three. And if and Washington then, can fix their god, yeah, awful. Washington, and then and then what? And then yeah, you kind of have those bottom those bottom feeder. The, the, what makes the Metro interesting is the bottom feeders of the Flyers, Devils, and Blue Jackets. All pieces that they give they could trade, whether it be within the division or not, but like just trade away to another team that could be interesting. And they're also as it unfolds. And here's one big thing that I think people overlook is the bottom of the. Metropolitan to division, I think is probably the best bottom of the divi- of a division that there is in the yeah. league. And so what that does is it raises the level of play of the top teams because they have to beat them. You got to play them four times. Yeah. So you got to beat those bottom teams because otherwise people look at you and be like, oh, you're losing to the bottom teams, even if those bottom teams are better than the rest of the league's bottom teams. Yeah. I'm, I, and yeah, I, I agree with that. Like they're going to, and it, they're not going to bat. I mean, when the deadline comes, they're going to unfold. I think that's when they start to unfold. But until then, it's going to, they're still going to, they're still in it. They're still going to yeah. play well. I mean, the Flyers, 
unfortunately not. They're on a 13 game franchise worst losing streak. But other than that, like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, it's it's so gonna be tough. So to move into the Atlantic, um, all right. We uh, to move into the Atlantic, we've got not much. I think a lot of the Atlantic, and this is the reason we talked a lot about the Metropolitan, and we're going to talk a lot of a little bit uh, more also on the West. I think the Atlantic is what we think it is. I don't think there's much here. It's, I think, the similar to last week. You've got Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Boston. Boston still playing well in their makeup games. Toronto now actually has a game on Boston. On Boston. Um, and then you've got Florida and Tampa Bay at 43 games, uh, two points apart. Um, and so I, I, I think there's not much there. They're both very good teams. I think they could both... Uh, make it to the, I don't know which one of them will win and make it to the Eastern the Eastern conference final, because I think once again, we'll have Toronto and Boston play in the playoffs and Toronto and Boston will end the way Toronto and Boston always end. Well, I don't know if they play <laughs> each other. I don't know if they play each other per se, but Toronto, what Toronto is hoping for right now is that they do not that is that Boston does not jump into that two and three seed range with them they, that they got to play again. Them. Yeah, that's the like the I think oh, there's there's more comfort in playing Florida the Florida Panthers in a seven game series, even though like th- there's not a lot. Of com- I mean, there understandably wouldn't be so much confidence in beating Florida Panthers, but there's something about them, that angel on their shoulder about the Boston Bruins. Yeah. I mean, it, it would it'd be interesting. It would be kind of uh, like a lot of teams that kind of beat that one team that's been beating them for years to just beat. It would be it would be. But I think if they, if they play, I think if they play, though, it'll probably end up being in the second round versus the first round, because because of the emergence of Florida over the last two years, it's yeah. not Boston and Toronto as the two and three seed playing each other every year. So I don't think they play in the first round. And because I don't think they play in the first round. I don't think um, I think they'll both. Uh, I don't know if they'll both win. I don't. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt one will beat Tampa and the other will beat Florida. But if they do and then they play in the second round for Toronto, I don't know if the issue is Boston as much as it is the first round, because it's always happened in the first round. And it's we can't get out well, of I mean, this last first year. Round. Last year was like the worst, like the worst case. It was three one series lead to Montreal. And you had two games in Toronto, and they they couldn't close it out. And it, yeah, yeah it's, that, that that had to be like an that was. I mean, it's, it's you always say that's an all time low, but that all time low beat the all, last all time <laughs> low of it's it, every year. It's like because the year before that it was Columbus, the Columbus Blue Jackets in the bubble where they I think they played a five game series. They lost the five game series there. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's that's the. I, I mean, think the if they can get like over gonna... that hump, yeah. I think if they can get over yeah. that first round hump, we might see something out of Toronto. Yeah, it's kind or, of like what's it? It's, it's kind if, of like Cincinnati in the playoffs, and the, we're talking about, of just thinking about the NFL right now. But yeah, yeah. go on. Let's let's. If they if and much. if they don't, if they lose in the first round again, which I think is definitely possible because they might play Tampa and. I don't know if you expect them to win, but what you might end up having is you might start to blow things up in Toronto uh, with Tavares and with whatever. I, you Austin might Matthews, no. not, not Austin Matthews, but other things on that team, you might start to blow up. 
um, if if it ha- if it just happens again. I mean, because you can't waste Austin Matthews's career getting knocked out in the first round. But you gotta it least- makes it difficult. This is what I think about a lot because this because the Toronto situation is unique where they already did blow it up in order to get Austin Matthews and get like those those star players, some of those star players. They already blew it up to get that to that position. Now they're kind of locked into four or five or potentially more, but really four or five long-term contracts, players that are like their franchise players, Austin Matthews being the headliner, but they, I think they gave Morgan Riley an extension. They gave William Nylander like a long-term deal, but you can trade, you could trade them in the off season, not Austin Matthews. I'm not saying blow. I'm saying a soft blow up, like move some pieces, like have some real movement of pieces. If it doesn't, if something, if they can't get out of the first round, it, it, it's very weird because, like, I feel like that movement of small pieces is kind of what they've been doing over the past few years. It kind of like feels like Groundhog's Day, where it's like, no. all right, Wayne Simmons, you're out. Corey Perry, you're out. All right, Joe Thornton, you're out. Let's bring in like Nick Ritchie. We'll bring him I, in. We'll I don't mean small like, pieces. I mean big pieces outside of Matthews. I think the William only Nylander, person you'd think, yeah, like would I William think- Nylander be the guy. I would think, yeah, maybe William Nylander, maybe John Tavares. I, I think you you're gonna. I think there's. I think everyone outside of Austin Matthews should have a price tag on them. Austin Matthews doesn't have a price tag on him. Everyone else should have a price tag on him. I'm and I'm not saying at this trade deadline. I'm saying if they lose in the first round again. I think this offseason becomes very much an offseason of we have to make real moves. No more of these little Groundhog Day moves like you were saying. Yeah, Make something real, move one or two big enough pieces, get somebody else in here and see if we can fix it that way. Because you don't want to waste Austin Matthews' career. I guess this kind of, I don't know if the shift gears or not, but it kind of reminds me of the Oilers where it's like you think big picture. Can you win when you're committing a certain amount of salary cap to a certain amount of players? And that's kind of like, like what they're going to have to ask themselves. It's, it's a very difficult question considering the way the roster is built. Like, how do you, how do you win when you're committing a certain amount of money to a certain amount of players and you still need, you still have like liabilities on your roster. It's something I, I, I mean, I it's also something can. I think about. I think it's a matter of GM here and this will just harken mm-hmm. back to last year, right? Not last year, last week, Right. We talked about the GM in Carolina who has done a phenomenal job. I think there's an, and I'm not saying the Edmonton GM is bad. I'm just saying the top tier from the not top tier is, and it's also partly their scouting rooms and their whatever. They can't seem to put together enough of those mid tier to small contracts that work together. Um, and that is something a lot of teams struggle with. A lot, most teams can get yeah. the top tier right. Like it's hard to miss on the top tier unless you're a horrible team, right? You, most teams get the top tier right. It's where the building of teams is really crucial is in that middle tier to bottom tier of your team that has to work well together and cannot cost a fortune. And every team, any team that uh, is going to yeah. make a run 
has to have is going to have to have one or two stars. It's always the case, but you have to be able to build around them adequately. And I don't know if they have the people in the front office to do said thing. Um, I think they need a goaltender. Honestly, you need three big pieces, two forwards and a goaltender or one defenseman, one forward and a goaltender. You got to have actually, three big pieces general in the big picture of cup cup teams. I actually, I, I always break it down into four where you need a defenseman, a, a two way defense and a two way defenseman that could kind of, uh, you always have that. You have those scores. You have like two elite forwards, let's say, or uh, whether you want to split them up or they're on the same line, there's elite, elite goal scorers. Uh, and then you have that, defenseman who's a Norris caliber defenseman potentially who who helps at the point on offense but also on defense like he controls the middle of the ice and help. but that's like that's just like a different that's like a discord conversation that I feel like uh it would we'd be all we'd be discussing all night all, all night or all yeah, morning but uh, no so that's there's the real issue I think they need a goaltender really is my big thing and they can't seem to get it right they can't seem to draft it right they can't seem to, to develop it right. You know what might be a, a not a not a permanent fix, not a whatever kind of thing, but you know what might be a decision here for them. And I don't know if they would do it given they're in the same division. Oh no, they're not. My bad. Uh, I was still thinking base. Um, is flurry? That is something I think might be a decision to be made at the. You're talking deadline. about Edmonton making move for flurry. You say yes. That is something there. It's interesting because there has been, there have been rumors about that bottom line. The reason why I brought up, I brought up flurry last week. Teams have called Chicago about flurry and Patrick Kane. Those are the two guys that people, I haven't heard the Patrick Kane thing. He might be on the market. It's very difficult because the thing with the thing with flurry can be moved. It's more, he's more of a movable piece. Patrick Kane, it's very difficult because he's a franchise player. Yeah. Teams have called, teams have called, as in like teams have said, have made offers saying like, we're willing to off move this and this. The problem Chicago has right now is they need a permanent GM in place. This is probably why they're looking, they're trying to get one in place soon because the deadline's coming up soon. Honestly, I would think Taves, I would think Taves before Kane, because Kane is younger. No, so Kane, no, but Kane is a free agent. I think at the end of either this this season or next season. I think it's next season. Well, so he's, that he's would, a year that, and a half rental. Well, that would also but, mean you'd have more capital to get out of Taves because if he has a longer deal right now. Oh yeah, no. So they want to trade. This would be an ideal time to trade him because you get a lot back, a huge return. You're and you're trading away a unique forward, a forward that basically he. We talked about the guys who kind of get in front of the net who kind of score in front. He's a forward that gets the puck to those guys to bring. Uh, you look at Chicago this year to has like 25 goals or some, he has a crazy number. Patrick Kane has all the assists. Cause he's the one passing him the puck. He's the one getting him. He's a good, he's just a good, he's a great facilitator. At, and he's facilitator also, of the puck. he's also a good goal so, scorer in the right s- situation. Yeah. So that basically bottom line is that 
Chicago needs a permanent GM in place because they're not going to move a franchise player without a permanent GM. Yeah. And interim GM is not going to make that move. And the fan base would probably uh, burn United down. (laughs) (laughs) So even though Taves is the captain, I've honestly thought Kane has been the captain. Like there are times I've thought Kane's been the captain for like five years now, because to me, he's more of an integral part than Taves is. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, low-key became a Blackhawks segment but yeah like Kane has been their their franchise player and he's he's been the face of the franchise really if you're looking at the the Stanley Cups the success uh like the on the on the ice play he's been that he's been that guy and in terms of on like how they play like he's 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 the he's the top line score he's I don't think he's he's not a center per se but yeah he is the guy who is he center I'm pretty sure Patrick Kane's the center. Very fluid, and I think I feel with Chicago in the yeah. sense like, like he plays he plays center. He plays. Wing, oh, I'm like, wrong. I'm wrong. Apparently, okay. according to Google, he's a right winger. I thought he was a center. My gosh. <laughs> but yeah, like he, but he's he's but he's a player who this is why. He's very he's very successful. He's a player that makes the line around him better. Makes the players around him better. You talk about I mentioned Alex Debrinket, but like he, he's going to f- facilitate the puck. So teams that teams can calling, also yeah, and that can help your mid tier lines if you struggle yeah. in your mid tier having him. So you look at a lot of teams that have called. Uh, I don't think the oil. I don't think the Oilers are one of the teams. The I mean the. Uh, you look at a team potentially like the Penguins that would have called, or the um, I don't know if the Panthers called, but either bottom line is that a lot of teams are expressing interest in him because they know like we can get a year and a half of Patrick Kane potentially. Assuming he, I mean I I have I have to double check to see at probably at the end of this his contracts up, but bottom line is he's he's he's. He's out there, and then Flurry is probably the more movable, realistic, movable piece, even with an interim GM. Because if Chicago is not going to compete, and that that is really to the Oilers potentially, uh, someone who someone who could go there, but just across just across the NHL, like Flurry is probably get, could be on the trade block, really. Yeah, I I think. Um, okay, so here's the thing. Yeah, I believe you're right. It's this year and next year, and then he's a free agent uh, for the 23-24 season. Uh, Unrestricted. And that's a key thing, though. He's an unrestricted free agent, and he might just say, screw you guys, I'm done with this kind of thing, and and leave. You're saying... You're saying to Chicago or to uh, the team that gets traded? No, 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 no. to Chicago. If, Mm -hmm. if they don't move off of him and they don't fix things next year. He might say, I'm an understood free agent. I don't even have to listen to your offer. I'm going somewhere else. And you're right. Trading him now versus next year, which is what people do a lot is they trade them when they are a literal rental till the end of the year. And I don't think you get nearly as much value for that player even if you're like, oh, but you can resign, whatever. You don't get as much value for that player as you do for a guy that's got a year plus on his contract. Um, and so I think play, moving him now would be good for Patrick Kane and good for the team that gets him because you're not giving up an exorbitant fee for a, a 
this it's not a oh we got him we gotta win this year kind of thing it's a okay if we don't win this year with him we still have next year and a whole offseason to fully solidify a roster as opposed to trying to plug and play mid to end of the season kind of thing that kind of adds to his value is that he is a player that you could it's more he's more easily transitionable because he 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 makes his line better so you can kind of put him on a so, so that's also part of it, I think. Uh, but yeah, yeah big big picture with Kane is uh, is teams called, and yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. And this he's kind of when is the deadline? Sto- I believe late February, but I'll have to like uh, recheck that. It, everything I feel like everything's up in the air with scheduling. I'm not gonna really like look into it, but bas- the next few weeks are telling for a lot of teams. With this in mind, like with Flurry, for example. Uh, him on the move, uh, just because of because the next because your teams are going to need to value with these players quickly because yeah the offers are starting to uh, the rumors I, are starting to circulate and the offers are going to start coming in. Basically. So I think I think Flurry to Edmonton would be a great help to them. I don't think yeah. it fixes all their issues, and I think like I said, you might need new front office people and scouts to figure out how to fix some of their second tier players get better second tier, pl- not necessarily better second tier players, a better fit because second tier players rely a lot on fit. And I think that's a huge thing that Edmonton's not been good at. They've not been good at mixing and matching to make the right concoction, you know, in the lab, they're kind of yeah. exploding a little bit. <laughs> so I, I do, I think they, uh, I, I think if they make a move for Flurry, because they've tried making moves for goaltenders, but I don't think any of well, them. Well, Mike been, Smith was like, yeah, the but recent I don't think, guy. yeah, but I don't think that's he. I don't think he's nearly as good as Flurry. I still think Flurry's playing at a great level. He won the Vesna last year, rightfully so. Like, th- this is a unique opportunity yeah. that you don't usually have in the opportunity trade space for goaltenders. Um, and it's also, I mean, we mentioned Flurry of Pittsburgh, but like Flurry with Edmonton. Is it's very rare to see a team that struggles and a team that's kind of out of the playoff race or really doesn't look like they're making it back that has goaltending on the table that has like a goaltender, especially like Flurry, on the table to offer, and that's yeah. really with uh and I yeah I, I mean it's gonna be Edmonds is gonna be active at the deadline one way or another just because they're gonna try to get back into things uh they're so, gonna make a lot of moves yeah, yeah move, I, moving into a little more specifically the Western. Uh, the central division hasn't changed the Western conference. The central division hasn't uh, changed much. We've still got the same top four uh, Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis Uh, Nashville is evened out. They went on that big winning run. Then they lost a couple. And now it seems like they've evened out. Um, They're slightly ahead of St. Louis again, games in hand. Here's the big thing. Uh, Minnesota is looking absolutely phenomenal and they have a whole bunch of games in hand on the rest of their division. Um, As in they haven't played a lot of games or are they? Yeah, they have I, games. I feel like they have games in hand. They've only played 38 games. Nashville is 44. So, St. Louis is 42 and Colorado is 41. So Colorado made up all their games basically in like the span of a few weeks and fortunate for them. They've won them all basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they won that they won they won tonight, Wednesday night, which is sort of tonight. Uh, in overtime, they came back 
through on deficit against the Bruins. They won four, three in overtime. Yeah. The avalanche are going to do their thing, but then the, yeah, the wild are, I think the wild are the number two. I think what the wild are the number two team in the division. Um, I think a big test for them will be tomorrow night, uh, Friday night uh, against the Rangers. Uh, let's see what happens there. That's, that's interestingly the game I've, I've because I've seen ads. I guess people are really into it. That I think Lundqvist's jersey number is getting retired in MSG. So like, it's gonna uh, either so like classically the Rangers are supposed to then win that game one nothing with Igor, Igor Shesterkin having a shutout, and then in all in all re, in real and then re, in reality uh, because that's how hockey works. The Wild are gonna win six to four. With Kirill Kaprizov <laughs> having Kirill Kaprizov having like a hat trick or something, uh, like, but like that, that's that aside. Yeah, the wild. This is gonna it, it is gonna be a good test because you look at how the Wild are winning. They're they are scoring. I think three. They're scoring like three point six goals per game. They're like at not an Avalanche territory, but they're in the sort of air, they're 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 piling on goals like three point six, three point seven goals per game. And then their defense is their defense is one of the few that's also struggling. They're allowing, I think, three point like one or three point two goals per game. So but they're 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 scoring. And they're crazy. Yeah, they're crazy at home. And so I think this is going to be that a was key, the big thing. Yeah. yeah, I think this is going to be a key thing for them down the stretch if they can secure the division, which I don't know if they can up against Colorado. But if they can secure the division and get home ice uh, through the playoffs, that would be huge for them. Because like you said, their defense struggles a little bit, but at home, it's better. They're a better team overall at home. They're, I think uh, you talk about their recent, we talked about their their recent stretch and just their home record as a whole. There are a few teams like that, but uh they're yeah if they could do that i think what's interesting is when we talk about the rangers game ahead is yeah it's their contrast the rangers have a great defense and great goaltending the wild are led by their offense is does this team unfold does does this team stand stack up well against teams that have good defenses or do can they only like win shootouts and that's that's kind of interesting and they play because i put they played the avalanche earlier in the year and they played a i think it was like a five four uh, they played a few weeks ago, like a five, four, four, three type of shootout game and high scoring. And that's the, those are the kind of games that they win, but like, can they win? Can they win with defense? Can they win the goaltending? It's going to be, or can they win when they face a good defense and like so, when their defense yeah, takes, we takes will, that away? We'll see. Um, just quickly to point out um, the trade deadline is actually uh, towards the end of March. It's uh, March 21st is the NHL trade deadline. Which is what I thought. I thought when you said February, I was like, that's too early. It's generally around usually the, it's around the 50, usually it's mid, 55 usually it's to beginning 60 of March. game. It's usually around but the you, 55, yeah. 60 game mark. But I think this, yeah, this year they were originally thinking Olympics and now it's just fe- uh, February, which is like another episode discussion of how many games every team is going to play in the month of February. It's basically going to be hockey month in America. Uh, or oh, hockey I month. don't know. I don't know because... They, a lot of teams don't have that many games. Some teams, that's when they'll be making up their games. 
but it's not like it's an exorbitant schedule because there were two entire weeks, two and a half weeks that were blotted out. And now it's just a normal all-star break. And they've filled in those other times with regular games. I think most schedules are actually pretty decent. Some teams have like crazy marches like Carolina, like we mentioned has a crazy March. They have like six back-to-backs in March. A lot of those teams in Canada lost a lot of games in January. So they're going to make those up in February. So yeah, I mean, it, it overall a lot of there are a lot of a lot of game a lot of games that got rescheduled got rescheduled to February March, but that str- yeah that stretch is just a lot of games now. So that's so, so let me let me ask you, I mm-hmm. like I mentioned I have Minnesota as my number two in the Central Division and my number three in the Western Conference behind Colorado and Vegas. Where do you hold Minnesota? They're so I think the Avalanche are gonna end up one, just hard to see them stumbling. They're number two. They could be one of this is one of the situations. I I would say if it weren't for the central being as tough as it is, they would be the second, they would have the second best record. Cause I they they might be I don't know if the most complete team, but they're they're up there with the the avalanche, not necessarily the avalanche, but like they're they're a really good team. Let's just say that's just let's just say really good team. Have depth in all three in all three units. Um, maybe not as much goaltending. Maybe they'll make a move at the deadline. That's a different story. But the, they're they're right behind. I think Vegas will end up with the number one record in the Pacific and then beat up on some of those bad teams in the Pacific. But they're they're right up there. They're 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 also this year again. One of the things that I'm noticing with the Wilds is they're an, they're they're a team that's going to be. A, tougher like we we were kind of caught by surprise last year when they took vegas to seven although not really we kind of said it's possible but we were kind of shocked when they went the full seven <laughs> that they that they went full seven with them but they're they're an elite they're an elite team this so year. i think we just proven that as we mentioned uh as we mentioned with vegas i have a stat here that um I think is a really crazy stat and not a good one for Vegas. Um, If I can find it, my bad. Um, The goals against last year to this year, last year was two last year. Well, not even with Flurry. You had Leonard play a good hand, like a good decent amount of games. But I'm last, last year, last year their defense was playing at an absurd level. I think they kind of hard to like replicate that. Yes. They had 2.18 goals against last year. Yeah. League best, it's I think. League best. It's an insane number, right? You don't expect that. You expect a good team to be in the like 2-7 range, 2-5 range, right? It, it was yeah. an insane number. Here's the big thing, though. This year, it's 3.08, which isn't terrible, uh, it, it's, not, it's not atrocious like you've seen. They've gotten back to the top of their division, but where where it's a key factor is going to be the playoffs where they've lost the last two years in the playoffs even with that those out, uh, um numbers because they don't have as much that star offensive player they don't have a uh Sydney Crosby they don't have a you know, um, Nathan McKinnon and Austin Matthews. You're talking about Vegas here, right? Vegas. They don't have a superstar in 
on the forward unit. They've got a bunch of good pieces, which has been something Edmonton can't do. They've done, they've done what the exact opposite of Edmonton. They don't have that top, top tier offensive player, but everyone else on their team works really well together. They have, they have solid goal scorers, I think, or solid forwards in, in, in their forward lines. Well, we talk about Jonathan Marsh, Jonathan Marsh, some Riley Smith, and uh, solid. They, they have that line. No, I'm saying that line is Marsh, so Riley Smith, and who's the fourth guy? The third uh, guy. I can't remember. The third guy. Um, but they have that line. And then uh, Chandler Stevenson, I think. That makes sense? Yes. Uh, yes. Chandler okay. Stevenson. So that, that line is there. That line's been around since the early years. That they they have that line. They have Mark Stone. They acquired Mac, Max Pacioretty a few years ago. He's hurt now, so so you have. But they have Eichel. That's players. the that's, that's the, thing. the thing. If Eichel I can know, come back, they know they knew entering the uh, to your point. They knew they needed that star power. They needed that uh, elite center, and they quite literally rolled the dice to bring up Vegas stuff on Jack Eichel it's because they know, like, yeah, we. He may not be as good. He may not be as good as as some as some of those other stars. But we we need to find out. We need to find out if he and will. Even be. and even if he's not as good as them. Also, the hope is Buffalo didn't ruin him uh, because yeah. there were some issues in the last year he played there. Of some of his game looked worse than when he when he came in. Um, and hopefully they Vegas is really good with players like. Marcia so had never had a season like he's had the last three seasons in Vegas. Like they're very I mean, good. So they're very I think good. James Neal had like 40 career goals before, <laughs> before getting to before joining Vegas. And then he had a 40 goal season or something. It, it, I don't know. That's not, those aren't numbers but, aren't proven. I, no, but, but they're, it's, they're very good. They're a very good team comp. Like, like I said, Edmonton, has the top, but they can't get the rest of the mix right. They have most of the mix. They need that one knockout punch, so to say. They need the knockout punch. And if Eichel can come back and in enough time that he can gel, they're a good enough regular season team that they can weather some bumps getting Eichel into the team and into everything. If he comes back early enough, uh, Mark Stone, um, they that's when I I get to the point of if Eichel works out there, even if he's not a, you know, like Austin Matthews level player, as long as he is that big star, that might work out there for them. Um, If they do that, if he gets him a cup, it's all worth it. Basically. Yes. Uh, And and I think he might, he's not a rental though, right? He's got a, he's got a couple of years. Here's the interesting though. If he comes back in prior to the deadline for a week or two and he doesn't look good, do they call Chicago? I don't think they're trying. They're going to try to, if they're calling Chicago, it's because they're trying to bring in Patrick Kane. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm not saying. They're not going to trade away. Oh, you're saying. Eichel uh, for Kane. No, I don't. They're they're trying to build around Eichel. Like Eichel's, because Eichel's he younger, Eichel's, Eichel's he's twenty five. 
Yes. They would, if they were to make another move, they would bring in another star to say like, all right, let's see if he works with Jack Eichel and say like, let's see what happens there. That's what uh, I say. It's more realistic. Okay, see, I wouldn't want them to do that. If they're not moving off Eichel to get Kane, I don't want them to get Kane because I think then you're mixing too much with the rest of the mix. So you might get, you might get, I don't know if they're, I don't think they're one of the teams that are interested in Kane as much. Yeah. Okay. I I, I was saying as a hypothetical, a purely hypothetical, if the Eichel thing doesn't seem to work out by March, I feel, I feel like I'm saying with Patrick Kane, I feel like you kind of like go through each team and say like, all right, where he's one of those players that you just want to visualize where he'll fit in with Vegas. It's more like they're, they're going to see what, Jack Eichel looks like yeah. when he comes back and then see like, all right, what are, where, what do we build around? Like, what does our lineup look like? Especially when if Patrick, if Patrick is able to come back at some point, which you'd hope he could come back for potentially the plus, although he was listed as indefinitely what that means. We'll, we'll find out, but Mark's like how he works with Mark stone. Uh, you want to know what that means? That means they're doing exactly <laughs> what Tampa Bay did. But keep him out to, to make him another move to freeze no. the cap. Yeah, cap. I think I I have no doubt that he's gonna be ready prior, but he's just gonna be like, We're good enough regular season team. We don't need it right now, and we've got cap issues. So I mean, maybe I mean it's it's something that that's very possible. I mean, I, I think you'll see I would it more feel- and more after you saw. Tampa Bay do it. It's, I think you'll see it more and more when people have serious injuries, but they could come back earlier. You'll wait because of cap issues. I mean, the, the it's very it's very interesting to think about with uh, Patcheretti because of his skill set. How it how that quickly how that materializes with um just cu- just sliding him in right away compared to. Kucherov, who was the he's exhibit A of keeping out to the playoffs because because of the way Kucherov plays on the wing, kind of like uh quarter kind of quarterbacks from that angle where he gets those shots, but it also like look for the for the skater in the center ice or cross ice. I mean, it would be it's it's something to keep an eye on. I think looking at it yeah. now, it, but it, how how serious is Patrick how how serious is hurt if he's out indefinitely or if he's just going to come back for the playoffs? So or here's he. he or you so, come back, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. So the Eichel thing, right? I, you're right. He's young, and they want to see if he, if they can make him the core, not necessarily the face, right? Not necessarily the face, because you had these guys. You've got Marshazo. I would pretty much say Marshazo is probably your face. Uh, Marshazo and Mark Stone are probably oh, your, your face is the franchise. But if you can get Jack Eichel to work, if he can develop further and he can turn into a star player, a super star player, then Vegas is scary, man, because they don't have a lot of huge expiring contracts. They they're up on the cap, but they're not like. They're not like to how bad it was for Tampa Bay, where they literally like they had a clearinghouse almost last year after the season because of their cap issues. So, well, I mean, you're talking about Tampa, you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think they're as bad. Well, as I mean, Tampa Vegas, was. Vegas had to trade flurry. That was a cap move. I, 
it, it, in the end it, it became it became that was like one of those moves that they had to make because like because that because yeah. of, to clear up some cap space so but, I mean, there are some of that but not as much yeah don't have it's not as yeah it's not as bad as tampa bay and so yeah. i think if you can build around jack eichel and if jack eichel works this year and it might not it might not be we don't know when jack eichel's coming back so it might take him some time to get rid of a lot of those issues with Buffalo. It might take, it's, um, I would equate it to what's his name in Boston. Um, Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall in Boston. Granted, Taylor Hall, that was much, but that was much later in, in the just year. Worked right away, though. He just, he, he immediately, that was crazy how like immediately he like just started clicking with yeah. Boston he, that season. Because he's very, because he's very good and the devils are horrible. <laughs> well, that was Buffalo that he was he was he was with buffalo he got traded to boston Taylor oh hall. right and right sudden, hall went from vegas to from the devils to uh buffalo and then buffalo got rid of him and now eichel hopefully then okay so that's a good thing that means buffalo you might look horrid when you're with buffalo but you don't you're like your actual play yeah. isn't detrimented so hopefully jack eichel comes back and he plays well uh yeah. if he does then vegas becomes a very strong team for the cup this year. If they've got that star power. Yeah. I mean, that's why they made the move. Like it really is like, I mean, you talk about people talk about Vegas as a team. That's, that's been, made the risks that's rolled the dice or uh, taken the gamble, whatever Vegas term you want to use because <laughs> they're yeah. They, like, and people talk about in the city of Vegas, the city of like all this th- and of betting and stuff. And they're gambling, so but, like, close. They're so close, so, and if Jack Eichel works, it's gonna be yeah. they're gonna be real good. They, that's so I'm saying that's why they made that's that's why they made the move. They know like to get over the top, they need to make a big move like that. Uh, I guess like in a way, they're kind of been building towards this because like of all the moves they've made prior. Made that it's like yeah. this is yeah. So Edmonton has over the last week or so done decently. That they, they, they have done a little better. I just wanted to touch a little more on Edmonton here before we run out of time is the last note. Basically they, they haven't done great, but they they've looked a little better in the last game, but they haven't played a lot in January. Like they've got like nine games in January, eight games in January. They were one of the Canadian teams that uh, had a lot of games pushed off basically. Yeah. So uh, early on, so we'll see. I don't know. Unless they make a big move at the deadline, I don't see them contending. Um, so I previously mentioned, right, that I thought Anaheim or the Kings were going to fall out of the playoff mix or at least down to four. Because as I mentioned, Calgary, uh, they started playing games again and they've surged right back into the number four spot um, yeah. and still have a boatload of games in hand. They have a total, they have seven games in hand on Anaheim right now and are behind them by Anaheim, four points. I think Anaheim's, Anaheim's been really, ahead of, they've been ahead of like every team in the NHL. I think in terms of games played yeah, throughout the 45. season. Just, yeah. They're like well ahead. Initially the Montreal Canadians were ahead of everyone, but then they, uh, they had the, the, they were in can they're in Canada. They didn't have their games played, but Anaheim throughout the season really hasn't, they, their only disruption really has been that uh, uh, December a lot when the NHL shut down. Really, they've they've been basically playing 
yeah so so yeah it's so i think calgary will definitely end up in the top three and like i said i think they'll probably end two the kings will end three and if edmonton can get their crap together or san jose i think with the right moves, either one of those teams could push Anaheim out. I think Anaheim's like a year away from really competing for the playoffs. Um, they've got a lot of young talent, but they got some stuff they got to figure out. Uh, John Gibson had a phenomenal game tonight. Uh, for Anaheim. Against, Tor- against Toronto, the 3-3 shootout, the 4-3 shootout game, right? Yes. They're on uh, that. They're, they're in a difficult stretch because I think they have to play. I think the Ducks have to play uh they have to play like in that Canada so they had that Toronto game which they've played then they have to play Montreal and then they have to play Ottawa I think so that take that for what it's worth basically that's where they're that's <laughs> but, schedule. yeah so Anaheim Anaheim I think ne- I think next year we can talk about them as a serious playoff team but right now even if they make it in I don't think they win a series um but I definitely think Calgary Last year, we were talking about should Calgary have a clearinghouse and get rid of everyone. And this year, they've yeah. just looked. They, I think last year was a down year. It happens. I think this year, they've think, looked really good. It's important to note they were the team, the other team interested, that had a deal in place for Jack Eichel. They were going to make a move, but they ended up, uh, they didn't like Buffalo ended up making the deal Vegas, but they're, they're ready to, to compete like they're ready to yeah. make that big move and everyone was taught everyone was talking about them selling and they were still thinking about winning because they knew they had the team they knew it they just knew they were better than what they were performing last yeah. year and not everyone could deal with that condensed schedule and i don't think that should be held well, against I mean, them <laughs> yeah it's really i mean the f- a few things that stood out from this year is the way mark Sturm has kind of uh has kind of been playing. I think he's he's been playing. He's struggled. I think in a few recent games, he just had a good game against uh, Columbus. But that's. Uh, but aside from that, he has just struggled six lately. Nothing but, against Columbus tonight. Yeah, you should check the shot total because that uh, you'll be you'll get blown away by it. I guess this is how we can kind of close your reaction. Holy to the hell! <laughs> <laughs> I think with this in mind, I. Uh, we could say 62 we could say, shots to 23 yeah. 62 i don't think i've ever seen a number in the 60s that wasn't a playoff game that went into like double or triple overtime yeah like i've I seen it that, but never in a regulation game when wow. i saw that number i was like for all the six goals that elvis merzlogans gave up you gotta give him a break because <laughs> That defense did not. I think, uh, what was his save percentage? His save percentage was still 903. He gave up six goals but, and he had a save percentage over 900. That's insane. Yeah. I guess like I guess that's that's a Merzlinkis. Merzlinkis, yeah. 56 of 62. Wow. <laughs> that's some bad defense. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's that number when I saw the when I when I found out about the number of shots, which is why I told you to check check into the number of shots for that reaction, is because is is why I always like have you always have to consider with save percentage. I'm like, can't blame Merce Lincoln's there. 
Nope. Like he, he did all he could. <laughs> like, yeah, the fact that he didn't drop into like 700 for save percentage, it's like, he, he, it's yeah. And that's, but that, yeah, like that was basically the, the night that um, Calgary just had. Yeah. They didn't even bother pulling him because they're like, yeah, they're just getting so many shots. It really doesn't matter who we've got in net yeah. right now. We're screwed. <laughs> that was that was the game that just happened uh, there. So I mean, wow. I don't know. That's 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 where I'm ready to. I'm that's that's how I think I'll end that's the, a, yeah. I think that's a good note to end on here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> good night, everyone. Have a good night. Thank you for listening. I uh, hopefully. We'll be back next week. Hopefully Columbus doesn't allow that many shots again for that type of reaction. And uh, uh, thank you for watching and peace.